Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Too Many Hobbies Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Althorpe. It's spring, and you know what that means. It's time for some fishing. The wedding season has started. Lots of nice weather. That's what we're going to get into today. So stick around, stay tuned, and let's get into the show. Alright guys, welcome back to another episode. Thank you for tuning in to the episode this week. We're going to get into a lot of different topics than we've covered in the past. It is now spring and around here that means fishing season. The wedding season has started so I have done a wedding and we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, we got a lot of more, a lot more opportunities for like dog training, stuff like that. The weather's just a lot nicer and it's easier to get outside and, uh, enjoy everything. We've started fishing and we've, people have been fishing for about a month and a half now. Um, the walleye moved into the river. People caught a lot of walleye in the river. I did not have the opportunity to get down there like I wanted to this year. I ended up buying a uh, 75 pound lead anchor for my boat to go down there and I used it once. Um, hopefully this weekend I can get into uh, the river and start catching some white bass now that the walleye and white bass are starting to share the river. But we did start working on the lake a little bit. Um, you know, the, the lake for walleye has just been such a foreign thing to me the last couple of years. I can understand the idea of you know, how these fish move and what they're doing. But I haven't focused on walleye as much as I did last year. And I think that I had the opportunity last year to focus more on walleye since I was working from home. Um, but in the past, I've mostly just focused on like pike and bass fishing, you know, targeting smallmouth, largemouth. And I wanted to get into the walleye fishing aspect a little bit more it's just so much different it's so difficult to try to figure out where these fish are you know based on the pressure the weather pressure um you know the the spawning period it's just it's been a difficult process for me to try to figure out last year I, I kind of figured it out a little bit and obviously this changes year to year. There's some pattern that you can base it on from the previous year. But uh, we started jigging a little bit. We've caught a few jigging. Um, haven't got it in, gotten into trolling yet. My boat is still uh, out of commission. It needs to get the... I'm rebuilding the carbs right now. And then I need to get it... Get the timing adjusted. Get the carbs synced. And... Hopefully I'll be back on the water in that boat next week. But I have been using my 14-foot boat. I cleared, the, cleaned the carbs on that motor, which for as new as that motor is, it's a 2017. And that idler jet in the carb was just completely plugged. So I cleaned that out. It's running great. Um, I've taken it bass fishing, caught some bass. I caught my biggest pike ever about three weeks ago. And 
man, that was just such a crazy fish to catch. Uh, we went out. It was a little colder. Uh, we were fishing a marsh that has tons of different species in it, but it's notable for the pike that are in there. Um, I've noticed then the last few years of fishing it that the pike have just kind of, there's a, there's just a big, um, generation of these fish that, I mean, I've bow fished in there and seen so many pike in there, but on this day we ended up, it was my, my buddy Damien and I, he'll be on the podcast shortly. Um, he hasn't been fishing a lot. He just started fishing with me last year. And so he caught a bass on a spinner bait like right away. And I told him that I just wanted to catch a big pike. So we're going around and we were fishing in some reeds and stuff like that. And I had a pike on, on a homemade chatter bait that I made, which was, which made it really cool. Um, caught, had the fish on, lost it at the boat. It saw the boat turned and just pulled the hook right out of its mouth. And then the next cast... I was slow rolling it back towards the boat and another pike came out um, from a different side of the reeds and it was just barely swimming. I could see it. The water was crystal clear and I set the hook on this thing and it still barely moved. I think the water was so cold that this fish was just still dormant and then once it got up by the boat it started thrashing but the one that I had on before, it was just a little bit smaller than this one from what I could tell. And my PB pike measured out at 34 and a half inches. And I just could not believe it. I think Fish Ohio for pike was 32. So I got Fish Ohio pike out of it. It was the first fish that I caught in the 30s. My previous PB pike was 27 inch. So I really, really smashed that PB with this 34 and a half inch pike. I just couldn't believe it, man. This thing, normally when you see them, they, they come up. And I mean, they just hammer any kind of moving bait. And this thing just barely grabbed it in the water. And then as soon as I set it, I was like, all right, this thing's going to, I only had 10 pound mono on. I was like, this thing's just going to break me off because I could see how big it was in the water. And uh, if you guys want to see the picture of that, jump over to my Instagram. I think I put it on Brian Ellithorpe and Brian Ellithorpe Media. Um, man, that thing was just in- incredible. We have some really good pictures of it. And so far, that's been the highlight of this fishing season. I mean, it's still very, very early. Um, I've been catching a lot of crappies and bluegills in my pond, which has been fun. Caught some caught a bunch of bass already in the pond on the boat and hopefully this weekend we go out and catch some white bass i think i've never done the white bass run in the mommy river um it's a big it's not as big as the the walleye run but these white bass come in it just is a is a frenzy so hopefully we can get out there and do that and i've been trying to teach uh, my buddy damien about some different spots on the lake for walleye and obviously not being an expert on walleye in the lake um i'm just showing him the things that i've figured out we caught we caught quite a few walleye last year uh, me and him going out on my boat um yeah it's just trying to figure out you know i i i do and i do enjoy the trolling um for walleye uh 
jigging is all right. I really like casting, so hopefully we're getting into a little bit of the casting um, aspect of the transition for these walleye moving um, after they've spawned out. It seems like we start catching them on crawler harnesses, uh, casting crawler harnesses, and then there's a bunch of people that will troll crawler harnesses as well. But I was throwing a crawler harness last weekend. Um, I had one really big walleye on that I lost at the boat and then um, caught a couple sheephead, uh, white perch. So I don't think that – I think it's still in that limbo of jigging on the lake and – crawler harnesses you could probably catch them on either just from what I've heard and seen and kind of from my experience last year around this time but hopefully we can get on some good walleye I know that we're going to start trolling with a couple buddies um, on bigger boats and trying to figure out you know how that that all works but slowly but surely we're learning and I think that we're going to spend quite a bit of time this summer trying to catch some walleye once my big boat's fixed it's going to be about the time that I start catching spawning bass and I don't really pass that up to go walleye fishing so we're going to be doing a lot of that hopefully I have a lot of videos coming up with a lot of bass fishing there's going to be some walleye videos coming out um yeah fishing season is here and I don't like it more than hunting season. I'd say like between the two, I like the the weather aspect of fishing. I mean, we can be out all day on the boat and it's just relaxing. It's nice out. It's just, it's hard to get used to all the cold weather when we know that all of this great summer, spring weather is coming. So hopefully from today on, today it was warm like 80 degrees and hopefully that kind of springs us into the nice weather coming up it was kind of touch and go here for a while with some real cold weather real warm weather and that really affected the fishing I believe it just it wasn't like that last year when we were trying to walleye fish it was pretty consistent on you know weather temperature with the water temperature and everything so hopefully we can get into a little bit more walleye some better weather and I'll keep you guys updated on that. It is also wedding season. And a couple weeks ago was my first wedding of the year. It was not for video. It was for photography. And that was the first like bigger size wedding that I've done for photos. I did a couple smaller ones for photos um, last year. And I think the year before that. And... Those were pretty easy to manage that, you know, there wasn't a lot of um, like Pinteresty type pictures that were that were uh, requested, which is fine. I don't mind the the Pinterest pictures because it gives you an idea of what the person wants uh, for their photos. So this one, I think between Bree and I, we ended up taking thirty three hundred pictures and the only downfall to this day was that it was super windy. Like, it's just really hard to take nice outdoor photos when it's so windy. And, you know, the the, the bride and groom were friends of mine. Uh, they were very easy to deal with. It was just the weather. 
I mean, the weather seems to affect everything that I do. There's just, you know, days like that where it's so windy that it's hard to get people, not get them situated, but like with the, with the girls getting their hair to stay put for, you know, a split second so I can snap a picture is just really difficult. I mean, it was probably 35 mile an hour winds. And so, like, there was chairs being blown around while we were trying to take pictures on the patio of this golf course. And, um, I mean, the venue was beautiful. The, the golf course was super nice. The pictures turned are turning out great. I think I'm about halfway through. So, of the 3,300, I'm estimating I'm going to deliver, like, 1,200 to 1,500 pictures. Um, I know that there's a lot of duplicates that I've gotten up to this point, but then getting into like the dances and the speeches and stuff like that, I'm going to deliver more of the duplicate type, not the exact same picture, but, um, just, you know, enough so that they have the memories and they can go through and kind of relive the day. Uh, Bree and I were both shooting on the full frame cameras, the Nikon Z6 and Z6 II. I did do video for, just their ceremony since I had the Nikon Z50 that was really easy to set that up on a tripod and just kind of let that one go while the two of us are taking pictures she stayed in the aisle way since she's pregnant she didn't want to be moving around that much I didn't want her moving around that much she could also man the uh, video camera while she was taking photos from the, the aisle way and then I bounced on either side of the group of uh, guests, I was on like the right hand and left hand side and I was getting some ceremony pictures there. We did a lot of um, really nice pictures beforehand after they got done getting ready and um, some really cool pictures in the, the dressing room with uh, these huge uh, windows, just perfect light coming in. And uh, we were able to get some really good pictures with that. So that was really cool. Um, a bunch of nice pictures for the reception. Uh, there was about 100 people, maybe 120, somewhere in that range. So I think the wedding that I did prior to that was like 60 or 70. And then the one before that, I think, was like 40 or something. <laughs> I don't know if anybody can hear that, but Boomer's downstairs howling. I don't know what he's howling at, but he does that every once in a while, especially with uh, with fire trucks. That's his thing. But yeah, speaking of Boomer, we have wrapped up the hunting season. We went down south, and he competed in the puppy and the adult chucker challenge um, as a flusher. I don't think I covered this on the last podcast, and I'll give a little bit of overview of that, overview of the season, but he ended up he ended up with a 2 minute and 39 second run in the puppy as his best run, I think that got him fourth, and then in the adult, he was just like in the middle of the pack with like a 7 minute time, but the difference was that the puppy field was a lot smaller about half the size of the big adult field um the person that won the adult one I think was like an 11 second time 
And so every shell that you didn't use, you got a minute back. So the guy that ran his dog would have been like a three minute and 11 second run. And then he got three shells back, three minutes back for his shells. And, uh, yeah, there was no way we were touching that. He also, I think that same dog was the one in the puppy that did it in three seconds. So pretty hard to compete with that when, uh, and apparently a lot of the people that were there were people that were guides of this preserve that we were at. So not that it gave us an unfair advantage. They just had the advantage cause that's where they hunted. But we're going to try and find something different, I think, for next year. I did enjoy the time down there, but for a four-hour drive, um, it was just, it wasn't as coordinated as I thought it was going to be. And I also didn't like the fact that I had to ask multiple times to get my runs and stuff like that um, from the guy running it just to see how he did. I thought that that was something that they were going to tell me then and there. But he said that in the past, people have come there, competed, and then gotten upset that the times that they ran were posted because their dog didn't do well. And I don't, I don't agree with that. I can't imagine going down and being upset about how my dog did to the point where I'm going to be mad that the person running the event isn't going to post the times because he doesn't want to make anybody upset i figured in southern ohio that people were had a little bit stronger will than that and uh i was wrong so we're gonna try and find something different for next year but i was so proud of how he did he went down there and he was just a hundred percent focused the entire time there were so many distractions there's so many dogs running around there's so many scents everywhere and it was just crazy to me to see how good his nose actually is with you know, these, these other scents that were there literally 10 minutes before he would run. And I think there was only like one that really screwed him up and that's because there was feathers in the area. And that was the only time that we didn't get all of our birds was he just kept going back to that one area. And, uh, it was hard to get him focused on a different spot because he was just convinced that there was one there, but it was just a bunch of feathers. Um, part of like part of a bird, like a wing had gotten shot off and then there's a bunch of feathers laying with it. So that really threw him off. And that was in the pu- or in the adult run. So um, yeah, he did two runs in the puppy, he did very well there. I shot really well. And then he did two runs in the adult where I don't know what happened. I don't know if I got tired, but I just did not shoot well. And uh, luckily, it doesn't affect the dog's time that much if you miss. Like, a, you just get a shell. Um, you lose a shell for, like, if you shoot twice and then there's a, a bird gets away, then you lose a shell for the next bird. Um, it doesn't necessarily affect the dog's time because it really is unfair for a dog Um like it's the dog's competition and for them to get, you know, uh, punished because I can't shoot well, you know, it doesn't really make any sense. It should be very focused on how the dog does. And then your shooting should give you a advantage, like a there should be a benefit to you shooting well, which is how you get the, the, the times back by not shooting 
all of your shells. So it's a team effort, but really it shouldn't affect the dog's performance. Um, so that was pretty cool. I really enjoyed that, and I'm hoping that um, next year we can do something similar, just a little closer to home. It was a nice trip. We were able to stay in a Airbnb, take both dogs, and uh, be able to go explore like Hocking Hills and stuff like that since it was down in that area. Um, if anybody's never been to Hocking Hills in Ohio, it's a, it's a really cool part. It's a state park, but it's a bunch of these different caves and hiking trails and stuff like that. And it's not necessarily mountains, but like rolling hills area. Um, it's a really cool place to go. If anybody's close, they should definitely go try it out. Um, yeah, it was nice to be able to knock that trip out and uh, have him perform really well. Over the season, he ended up with 82 flushes, 76 retrieves. He retrieved ducks, geese, doves, chucker, quail, pheasant, I think that was it. He did retrieve a rabbit too, which was kind of cool. But um, I'm excited for next year to be able to get a, get some more birds under him as far as upland goes. And uh, we just started doing some more training today to get him a little more comfortable with the waterfowl hunting setup. Uh, my my creek in my backyard flooded and uh it's like the perfect amount of water to do like a marsh style retrieve you know since we live on the lake there's a bunch of you know lower there's some you know shallower water areas that i wanted to work on him a little bit more with and then uh you know we hunt on the lake as well and i just want him to get more comfortable with those setups so that next year He's ready to go, but yeah, aside from that, I might do another podcast next week about some weightlifting stuff that's been going on. Um, I want to keep that separate since I just did like a full podcast on that. Um, so yeah, thanks for tuning in guys. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a rating and review to try and get this out to more people. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, which has changed from Brian Althorpe Media to Too Many Hobbies to keep the podcast and the YouTube channel pretty synonymous. And hopefully that is a little more intriguing to people when they're browsing and they see the channel name and stuff like that. Um, Hopefully that's a little more inviting. And... Too Many Hobbies podcast or Too Many Hobbies show on Instagram, Brian Althorpe Media on Instagram, Brian Althorpe on Instagram, Brian Althorpe Media on Facebook. Check it all out and we'll catch you guys on the next episode.